0: I'm Hanif Baharuddin, you're tuned in to Gigi Well Played, the show that looks at the world of video games In this episode, we're going to be discussing refund policies for digital games and other issues that stem from the recent controversy surrounding Cyberpunk 2077 But before that, here's a recap of the news from the past week with Ofnil Ting and Ali Johan
1: Thank you, Hanif. Let's kick things off with an update from CG Project Red regarding Cyberpunk 2077. So, a month after the disastrous launch of the game, the company has now released a video entitled Cyberpunk 2077, our commitment to quality, to clear the air. Uh, The five-minute-long video features the co-founder of the company, Marcin Iwinski, apologising to the public for the troubled launch on consoles and taking the blame for the problems, reminding people not to blame the developers for their hard work. Here's a snippet of his apology.
2: Based on that legacy of genuine and honest communication, you've trusted us and pre-ordered our game. And despite good reviews on PC, the console version of Cyberpunk 2077 did not meet the quality standard we wanted it to meet. I and the entire leadership team are deeply sorry for this and this video is me publicly owning up to that. Please don't fault any of our teams for what happened. They all are incredibly talented and hardworking. Myself and the board are the final decision makers and it was our call to release the game. Although, believe me, we never ever intended for anything like this to happen. I assure you that we'll do our best to regain your trust.
1: And here's his explanation on why the base console versions of the game came out the way it was.
2: Cyberpunk 2077 is huge in scope. And I'm not only talking about quests or things you see at first glance. I'm talking about a multitude of custom objects, interacting systems and mechanics. In the game, everything is not stretched out over flat terrain where we can make things less taxing hardware-wise, but condensed in one big city and in a relatively loading-free environment. On its own this is a challenge, but we made it even more difficult for ourselves by wanting to make the game look epic on PCs and then adjusting it to consoles, especially old gems. That was our core assumption. And things did not look super difficult at first. We knew the hardware gap, yes, but ultimately, I think that time has proven that uh, we've underestimated the task. To give a concrete example and the main culprit, we had to constantly improve our in-game streaming system for old-gen consoles. Streaming is responsible for feeding the engine with what you see on screen, as well as the game mechanics. And since the city is so packed and the disk bandwidth of Allgens is what it is, it constantly challenged us. Every change and improvement needed to be tested, and as it turned out, our testing did not show a big part of the issues you experienced while playing the game. As we got closer to the final release, we saw significant improvements each and every day, and we really believed we would deliver in the final Day Zero update.
3: He also provided clarification on why review codes for consoles were not sent out much earlier, claiming that they were busy fixing the game till before the release. For your information, a lot of reviewers received the codes only two days before the release of the game.
2: Now let's talk about the review process. We started sending our PC review keys in the first days of December. On launch day, December 10th, we hit the ground running with a really good start on PC. While not perfect, it's a version of Cyberpunk we are very proud of. At the same time, we're fighting for quality on all-gen consoles till the very last moment. And every extra day of us working on the Day Zero update brought visible improvement. This is why we started sending console review keys on the 8th of December, which was later than we originally planned. This all happened while working from home with all the challenges resulting from the COVID-related restrictions. A lot of the dynamics we normally take for granted got lost over video calls or email. And we took that hit too. Now
3: apart from the apology and clarification, Marcin also released a roadmap for updates for the game, featuring unspecified timeline on future patch updates, free DLC and next-gen console updates. As mentioned previously, patch 1.1 will be released in the coming week, followed by patch 1.2, most likely in February. Other multiple updates and improvements, including the free DLC and next-gen console updates are scheduled for release in the second half of the year. Based on the comments that you can read on the video, a lot of fans seem to be very appreciative and supportive of CD Projekt Red in their transparency and willingness to own up to their mistakes publicly. Mm. But at the same time, there are also people who are still a bit puzzled by their explanations too. Like, what made them think that uh, the console versions of their game are ready despite the testing? It didn't take us long to realise that the game was in a very poor state when we booted it up.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you rush... Your launch dates. Yep. We never know what's going to happen, right? I mean, regardless, let's wait and see whether they'll deliver this time around. Moving on, Lucasfilm has announced Lucasfilm Games, a rebranding effort to consolidate and manage all Star Wars and other Lucasfilm-related gaming products more efficiently. They made this announcement via their website, starwars.com, stating that Lucasfilm Games is now the official identity for all gaming titles from Lucasfilm a name that encompasses the company's rich catalog of video games and its eye toward the future. To mark the occasion, they released a trailer showcasing all the recent Star Wars games along with announcement of new social media handles on Twitter which are at Lucasfilm Games and Facebook as well at Lucasfilm Games. So this means that you will also start seeing the new Lucasfilm Games logo on future Star Wars games. Mm,
3: This is not the only announcement that they've made. The rebranding also comes with a more ambitious approach to expand their horizons to greater heights. And with that, they also announced that a new open-world Star Wars game will be produced by Ubisoft via its developer studio, Massive Entertainment, that's based in Malmö, Sweden. Massive Entertainment is responsible for developing games like The Division 1 and 2, and they also slated to develop a yet-to-be-titled game based on James Cameron's Avatar. Wow. Considering that they've had uh, experiences with creating open-world games with the Division series, a lot of people are now curious as to how an open-world Star Wars game is going to be like. The game will reportedly utilise Snowdrop Engine that's used for the studio's Division Games. Julian Garrity, the director for The Division 2, will reportedly direct this yet-to-be-titled Star Wars game. The studio itself is now also actively hiring and looking for new people to work for the game. This is definitely interesting news considering that Lucasfilm Games is now taking more ownership and control with their IPs and are looking for new developers to collaborate with.
1: Yeah, but I bet, you know, long-time Star Wars games players will be wondering what's going to happen with their 10-year exclusivity deal that they signed with EA, right? That was from 2013. Well, according to the statement, that relationship is slated to continue despite EA effectively losing their exclusivity rights with this announcement. Uh, And currently, EA has published Star Wars Battlefront 1 and 2, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and most recently, Star Wars Squadron. Uh, But there were also some high-profile developments that were cancelled throughout the deal. Uh, regardless, you know, expect more Star Wars games published by EA in the future, and I suppose exciting times ahead. And you know, some commentators have said that this might present a new, endless possibilities for the franchise in the video game world. Speaking of endless possibilities, as we said earlier, Lucasfilm Games is not only responsible for Star Wars, but also other IP, including Indiana Jones. And coming off the earlier announcement, there was also another... Uh, recent announcement involving our favourite explorer, Indiana Jones.
3: Yep, a new Indiana Jones game has been announced by publisher, Bethesda and developer Machine Games. Machine Games was of course responsible for the new modern Wolfenstein series, including the critically acclaimed Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. Bethesda's longtime employee and director of Fallout 4, Todd Howard, will be the executive producer of the game that will feature an original story. Uh, No release date has been announced as of yet, nor whether the game will be released across other platforms considering that Bethesda is now owned by Microsoft. Okay, up next, some delay announcements. Rider Republic, Ubisoft's upcoming open world extreme sports massive multiplayer playground, has been pushed back to later in 2021.
1: Yep, it was previously set for a February 25th release on PC, PS5, PS4, Stadia, Xbox Series X and S and also the Xbox One, but it's now pushed back to a later time without any specific date so far. Um, Another game that's scheduled to be delayed is Hogwarts Legacy, the open world Harry Potter game that was announced last year. Uh, This one's also initially scheduled for release sometime this year, uh, but now it's been pushed to 2022 without any concrete dates as yet. Uh, The game is actually being developed by Avalanche Software and published under Warner Brothers Interactive's Potkey Games label, and it's supposed to take place in the 1800s, where players can do a lot of activities akin to the one we read in the books and see in the Harry Potter movies.
3: And that's all the news that we have for this week on GG Well Played. Back to you, Hanif.
0: Thank you very much, Ali and Ofnil. Let's go for a short break. Coming up, I'll be joined by Leslie Lim, a lawyer from Ma Wengkwai and Associates. And we're going to be talking about refund policies for digital games. Stay tuned. This is GG Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9 You're listening to GG Well Played I'm your host Hanif Baharudin There were a lot of talking points that emerged from the recent controversy involving Cyberpunk 2077 that's worth exploring on their own and one of them includes the question surrounding refund policies especially for digital games This comes after a lot of gamers initially face some problems getting their refunds due to very strict policies from distributors like Sony and Microsoft For example Sony's policy states that once a digital game has been downloaded it's immediately not eligible for a refund even if you have not started playing the game. Of course, both Sony and Microsoft eventually opened up special channels for gamers to claim their refunds for Cyberpunk 2077, but the question regarding the policies still remains. Some have also questioned why Sony and Microsoft gave the game a green light on their platforms despite the bugs and problems the game has. To help us explain these questions, especially from a legal perspective, is Leslie Lim, a lawyer from Ma Weng & Associates.
4: Hi, Anif. Uh, Thanks for bringing up this topic. It's certainly, um, you know, it's been in the news a lot. There's been a lot of development over the last few weeks as well. And I hope to shed some light a little bit more from the legal perspective so that our listeners can then maybe understand uh, where they stand in terms of the refund and hopefully what they can choose and decide what they want to do from here on with their game, basically. So, yeah, um, in general, the refund policy is a contractual relationship. So, maybe I can first start by explaining uh the relationship between the parties in this story so far. So, what we have at the at the top uh just visualize this with me. What we have right at the top is uh c d p r which is the the developer of cyberpunk, and then because they're just developers, they need you know different parties to help them distribute the games on different channels, different platforms. so they obviously go to our usual people like Sony for PlayStation. They go to Microsoft for Xbox, they go to Steam, and for physical copies, they may go to different retailers like Amazon, Best Buy. You know, these are names I'm sure you've heard of in the gaming industry. So they have this relationship between them, between developer and distributors. So that's the first relationship. Then when you know we the normal people, you know, this game came out super excited. We've been hearing about it since 2012. Uh, we want to buy the game, and we buy from these distributors. This is the second contractual relationship. Okay, But what many of us don't realize is that when we purchase the game, we also have a third contractual relationship, which is between us and CDPR. So if you can visualize with me, we've got one from the top, CDPR, to the middle guys, the distributors, and then the distributors with us, that second relationship, and then us with the guys on top as well. So three different contractual relationships. So. As it is, there's three different maybe agreements in place already and the refund policies would actually depend very much on the second and third relationship, which is the relationship between the distributors and us, Okay, because every distributor will have their different refund policies and usually in determining the boundaries for their refund policies, they will use two main domains. They will usually look at time which is, hey, you got a refund, you know, apply for your refund or request for your refund within seven days, 14 days, 30 days. And the second boundary is usually about usage. You know, if it's a physical copy, whether you've opened the box, Um, if it's a digital copy, whether you have uh, downloaded or streamed the game, basically. So um, that's a general overview. Uh, Hope that helps.
0: Mm. So different sellers uh, have different policies regarding how they conduct their business, right? So so for example, I think uh, Sony has a very strict refund policy when it comes to games uh, that are sold on the PlayStation Store. Uh, so it, basically what it says on the website is that uh, once you make a purchase and once you start downloading it or once you start streaming it, you're no longer eligible for refund. Uh, whereas I think Steam has a slightly more uh, flexible uh, refund policy. Uh, if you're not happy with it, you can at least uh, ask for a refund uh, if you have played it for less than two hours, right? So is it fair that different companies have different policies uh, when it comes to tackling uh, this subject?
4: Um, well, it's, it's not really for me to comment whether it's fair or unfair. I'm sure they have their reasons for having, you know, different policies. You know, different companies may may have it for different reasons. And I'm fairly sure that they have actually uh, conveyed it to CDPR you know, before they distribute the games on their behalf. So you're exactly right, Hanif. Sony, you know, initially when the game was released in December 10th, you know, and and then all the issues cropped up and, you know, all of us who owned a PS4 realized that the graphics were not as mind-blowing as we had seen in the trailer and the gameplay um, videos on YouTube. And then, no, I don't want this. I'd like to ask for a refund. But Sony was very firm and said, uh, no, once you have downloaded or streamed, you know we we're not going to give you a refund and there was a a bit of like confusion because CDPR had said in an official statement we understand that you're if you're unhappy you have the option to actually go back to the retailer that you bought it from so there was a the bit of contradiction there and, and Sony was just like no I'm not giving you a refund just wait for the patches and you know you'll get your fix in a while but subsequently i think there must have been some discussions between CDPR and Sony because Sony then subsequently agreed to a full refund a couple of days later, and Sony even took a very hard approach. They actually um, delisted the game from their 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 online store entirely. And correct me if I'm wrong, Hanif. Uh, I think this has almost never happened with a game of this scale before.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's definitely unprecedented. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So so that's the position we see Sony taking. Then we have, you know, the other issue was, you know, mostly surrounding consoles. So then we had the issue with the Xbox One, which was also complaints about glitches, bugs, uh, laggy uh, performance issues. And Xbox, Microsoft was uh, a bit more relaxed. They offered to give a refund if it was made within two weeks of the purchase. Okay, two weeks. And then, as you rightly pointed out, then we have the PC versions, you know, you can download for Steam. And they said that, you know, even if you played it for two hours, you can still, you know, request for a refund. And Steam was also, I would say, probably one of the most relaxed. They say even if you exceed that two hours or 14 days, uh, you can still put in your request and they will still consider it. So here in itself, you see three different uh, distributors or, you know, taking three different positions, basically. So, do you think
0: that uh, what CD Projekt Red did uh, when they publicly asked gamers to ask for a refund through the respective channels uh, is something that's that's fair? Considering that, I think the burden to actually handle this problem should technically be on, on their end.
4: Yeah, I mean, in all fairness to CD Projekt, I think this was a a bug that was really, really unexpected. Uh, of course, if, if you read the angry people on Twitter, there are people who said that how can they not know, did they not test it on you know the older generation consoles and things like that. So um, but in all fairness, if if you see that CPR has been has tried really hard to be upfront about their position, they've really tried to persuade people that hey, we are we are trying to fix this, we are very, very invested and committed to fixing this. Uh, just hang in there you know, give us some time, uh, we'll get it done. And I think the, if I'm not mistaken, the sort of promise that they gave is that they will fix it to the extent where if you have a PS4 or Xbox One, um, it will be uh, workable, as in there won't be crashes, there won't be glitches. But, you know, in reality, don't expect it to sort of look like what it would on a PS5 or an Xbox series, you know what I mean? So um, there is a little bit of uh, PR aspect in this as well you know strategically one might wonder you know are they trying to look like the good guys you know hey i offer you a refund then maybe you think that i'm being very nice and very good and you hang in there and not refund and i won't lose so much money you know what i mean so it could be a, a strategy as well but that being said you know cdpr has earned mm. supposedly quite a fair bit through the release of this game
0: yeah. yeah, and I guess to a certain extent this conversation has also brought about uh, I think a larger conversation regarding uh, refund policy especially for digital products, right? Yeah. I think a lot of people started saying things like uh, oh, maybe it's Sony's or Microsoft's fault for allowing the product to be sold uh, in the first place, right? Yeah. There's a certification process that CD Projekt Red had to go through uh, through both Sony and Microsoft mm. and they've passed that process but that process in itself is also technically not responsible for the quality of product uh, that CD Projekt Red uh, had eventually come up with, right? So uh, are those comments about how maybe it's also Sony's and Microsoft's fault fair, do you think?
4: So I think when when this, you know, this issue blew up, the developers actually took on a conference call uh, where they made a statement and then they actually took on some questions about the issue at the moment. And one of the issues that came up was, uh, questions that came up was exactly what you just said, Hanif. You know, how did the game get through the certification process and to get listed on the platforms? And, in all fairness, CDPR said this, this is on our side. Sony and Microsoft was hoping we would fix the game on release and it's entirely on us. So this is another example of the developer really taking responsibility of the situation. They weren't trying to you know, push the blame and we call it tai chi to, to, to Sony and uh, Microsoft. But uh, I think it's important for our listeners and uh, our friends, fellow gamers, to, to understand that certification is it doesn't mean that Sony and Microsoft are trying to check whether the game is good or not. They're just checking if the game, you know, works in the way that it's supposed to and that it doesn't break your console in the process. So, for example, um, if you lost your internet connection while you were playing the game and there should be a warning that comes out, you know, that label that comes out, say, internet connection lost, yeah? Their job is to make sure that that label will come out, basically, or your controller is not working, please unplug and plug in again, you know, something like that. Or if you press X, you know, the character is supposed to do this, it's supposed to jump or run, you know, that kind of thing. So Sony and Microsoft doesn't check whether your game is good or not. That is entirely up to the developer to to be creative and come up with a game that's going to just capture the minds of the market.
0: Yeah. So, um, how how complicated is it to think of refund uh, policies for for something like games, right? For example, where sometimes you don't necessarily are able to discover problems with it until much later on when you're like 10 hours in, right? For example, what what's the best way to think about something like this? Is there like a policy that's fair to both sellers, uh, distributors, and also at the same time, um, it's quite consumer friendly for consumers?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um... Like I, I mentioned at the start, I think it's important to appreciate that there are certain uh, contractual relationships in this. And on this point, what i like to do, is I just want to draw the attention to the fact that um, when gamers buy a copy of Cyberpunk, they're actually agreeing to an agreement with the developers, which is called an end-user license agreement. Okay. Um, this agreement is available uh, on the website, and it's... Very nicely done, I will say, because what they did was because we lawyers love to write in long, complicated uh sentences sometimes, um uh, because it's part of our job. But what um, CDPR did was they did a full text on the left hand side of the agreement, you know, the proper legalistic wordings, and then on the right hand side they did a quick summary in uh in a language that cyberpunks are supposed to understand if you're if you're a gamer or you know fan of the game. Uh, very simplified version to make sure that when you read this, you know what you're agreeing to. Yeah. So, if, if I can, um, you know, I just want to point out a few key things in this agreement. Um, so, the, the first thing, important thing to note is that the developers, uh, CD Projekt Red, is a company based in Poland. Okay. Just, just remember this point, huh? based in Poland. I'll come back to it in a while. And when uh, when you download, when you install, and when you use the game, you immediately uh, agree to this agreement and you are bound by this agreement. So a lot of us don't realize uh, this is also very uh, similar to when we open an e- email account and they say, do you agree to these terms and conditions? Nobody bothers to read it. Everybody just clicks agree and then proceeds, but didn't realize they just bound themselves to a hundred different clauses. Um, very common, okay? Um, in this agreement, uh, Clause 4.1 talks about minimum requirements, Okay. So um, this clause basically says that uh, in order for this game to operate, uh, there are certain minimum requirements that you need to have in your device or your system or your platform. Okay, And they say, please make sure that you meet these requirements before you purchase the game. So some may argue that, hey, uh, if there are certain minimum requirements, back to you guys, why did you release the game for PS4 and Xbox One if it's you know going to perform in this way? So, yeah, but in all fairness, like I said, developers are working on it. And in the agreement, there is a disclaimer where uh, the developers have said that they don't promise. They don't promise that the game will be uninterrupted or error free. That if there is a defect, they will correct it. Uh, They also don't promise that the game will be free of virus. So they're, of course, trying to, you know, uh, protect themselves as well. But I guess it's it's only natural that games you know we are constantly need updates, you know patches fixes uh so this is one of the key clauses in that okay and then probably one of the last things i I would like to point out is that back to my first point that the developer is from Poland, so say you're really, really unhappy and you know you're so angry because you waited eight years for this game to come out, and you just couldn't wait to, to play and, and spend the next three weeks hiding in your room playing it, but you were so upset because um, it it just didn't turn out the way you wanted and you want to take these guys uh, to court or you want to go against them legally. The agreement actually says that because uh, you've bought this game and if there's any problems between you and the developer, the laws of Poland apply. And if you want to take them to court, you need to go to the courts of Poland uh, so it, it can't be an instance where you're angry at them and then you file a suit here in the High Court of Kuala Lumpur, basically. All right? Yeah, so th- those are some of the key things I, I I would like to point out. And it also cannot be a situation where a group of you are angry and you say, let's get 100 of us together and sue them together. The agreement also prohibits or doesn't allow class action suits. If you want to, you know, sue or commence legal proceedings against cdpr you have to do it in in your individual capacity you can't merge your suit with you know 100 other fellow gamers basically yeah so i think it's really important for you know people in general to understand that every time we, we download something we open a new account there are these agreements that we agree to bind ourselves by but a lot of us just don't take notice of it basically
0: and in this case uh, there are two going back to I, I think the earlier part of our conversation uh, just now uh, we entered into two different agreements right technically an agreement with the distributor the seller and also an agreement with the developer right yeah. uh, what are the differences between the two agreements that we need to be mindful of
4: um so the agreement between us and the developer are the few clauses which i just pointed out yeah the one between uh, us and the distributors would be things like the refund policy basically each of the distributor will have their terms and conditions as well. It's probably there somewhere every time, you know, before we download the game. Or if you purchase a physical copy, it's usually either at the back of the box or there'll be a slip of paper that's inside the box, basically.
0: Mm. Okay So uh, um, as consumers Should we be A bit more vigilant When it comes to These things and user license agreement uh, I know A lot of people Won't want to read But eventually uh, At the end of the day As consumers We can decide Whether we uh, We want to Be bound up by These agreements Right So for example uh, if, Let's say we're not As happy with Platform A's End user license agreement We can always Choose to Go to a different platform Right Is, is that the way To approach it
4: That's that. One, I guess, but the reality is that this is the end user agreement that the developer has come up with. I guess the reality is that if you want to play the game, these are the, the terms that you agree to bind yourself by. And the question that a lot of people ask now is, okay, I, I've bought the game, I've agreed to be bound by these terms and conditions. Should I now ask for a refund? Okay, And my answer to that would be, it's entirely up to you. You can try to request for a refund, you know, notwithstanding whatever is the refund policy that you are bound by. You can always go ahead and ask for a refund and then work through it from there. Or you can give the developers a chance, you know. This game is certainly looks, uh, it's going to be a really big milestone for uh, the gaming industry. Just hang in there. I mean, um, CDPR has promised some fixes within these two months, January and February. I think it's also no harm maybe just waiting it out and hope that they'll fix it. And in all fairness, all the complaints that we're hearing at this moment are, you know, steered more towards consoles. Uh, I think the PCs have had pretty good reviews. So those are some options for you to consider as well.
1: Mm.
0: And zooming out a bit, do you think that there should be a standard universal policy that can perhaps uh, be standardized or be used across um, different distributors uh, regarding something like this so that it won't be as murky in the future, for example? Like, for example, should Steam's model, which people have said is slightly more consumer friendly, should that be adopted by other companies as well, at least to protect
4: gamers? I think that will be quite difficult because at the end, that uh, relates to two things. First, it relates to the business model of each platform. It's just like if you go online shopping, it's really up to you whether you want to shop on Lazada or you want to shop on Shopee. So I think each of these platforms have a right to sort of determine how they want to set up their business model, you know, do their refund policies and how they want to reach out to consumers. That's the first one. The second point is the legal perspective. So in general, law is jurisdictional in nature, so hence why just now I pointed out that for this particular end-user agreement, we're bound by the laws of Poland, uh, which I'm unable to comment at this moment because I didn't study Polish law. Yeah, so each each of these companies will choose uh, which laws that they want to be bound by. But in general, if you enter into a contract, uh, say you and me, honey, if we enter into a contract, we can choose if we want to be bound by maybe the laws of Singapore. Yeah. So it, since games are being sold all across the world, it's a little bit difficult to, to standardize because, you know, S- Sony and Microsoft are, are based in the US and this particular developer is based in Poland. So that in that already, we already see two different uh, countries in the picture already.
0: And speaking of um, legal action, uh, can you also comment on the legal action that CDPR is actually facing from their investors?
4: So I, I would imagine, you know, if I were in the shoes of the lawyers, of the investors, probably one of the main grounds for the suit would be misrepresentation because, you know, was so much hype about how the game is supposed to be like, you know, the gameplay, the graphics, the performance, everything. And then suddenly when it comes out, it's nothing like what was, you know, advertised or promoted. So that could be one potential grounds. And probably some of the uh, evidence that might be used in the suit would be things like if the CEO made a comment about you know, something to do with the game. And then when the real game comes out, you know, it doesn't live up to that. Uh, Or certain advertisements they might have put out, you know, the trailers, uh, things like that. So all those aspects will become evidence in the suit, basically.
0: That was Leslie Lim from Ma Wing Kwai & Associates sharing some insights on refund policies for digital games. If you'd like to check out this episode again, you can find the podcast on bfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play and also Spotify. Do share your thoughts about the show or the games that you play via our email ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at bfmradio. My name is Sanif Bahardin. Thanks for joining us. Game on. Till next time, GG Well Played.